Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you part for the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We have a terrific show for you today, including special guest Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. He's located in Tel Aviv right now, right in the well, the heart of the activity for what's happening. And uh, we'll be talking to him, to him about current global events. John Middlemore is uh, the editor-at-large for fee.org, the website for the Foundation for Economic Education. And we'll also visit with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief and author of many books. His latest is called No Problem. It is November the 13th, and on this day in 1775, Continental Army Brigadier General Richard Montgomery took Montreal, Canada without opposition. Montgomery's victory owed its success in part to Ethan Allen's disorganized defeat at the hand of British General and Canadian Royal Governor Guy Galton at uh, Montreal on September the 24, 1775. <clears throat> Allen's misguided and undermanned attack of Montreal led to his capture by the British and imprisonment in Pendennis Castle in Cornwall, England. Although a failure in the short term, Allen's attack had long-term benefits for the Patriots. Carlton had focused his attention on suppressing Allen's attack while refusing reinforcements to Fort St. Jean, to which Montgomery's expedition laid siege from August 21st to November the 3rd, 1775. Fort St. Jean's commander, Major uh, Charles Preston, surrendered on November the 3rd, fearful of the hardship the town's civilians would face during a winter under siege. With the uh, final fortification between Montgomery and Montreal in Patriot hands and Carlton's defenses depleted by the conflict with Allen, Montgomery's forces entered Montreal with ease on November the 13th. After Montgomery's success at winning Montreal for the Patriots, Carlton escaped and fled to Quebec City, where he and Montgomery would in December again face off against one another in the climatic battle that would determine the fate of the Patriot invasion of Canada. Facing the year-end expiration of uh, the troops' enlistment, and that's right, they were enlisted and paid, <clears throat> Patriot forces ad uh, advanced on Quebec under the cover of a blizzard at approximately 4 a.m. on December the 31st. The British defenders under Carlton were ready, however, and when the, uh, Montgomery's forces came within 50 yards of the city's fortifications, the British opened fire with a barrage of artillery and musket fire. Montgomery was killed in the first assault, and after several more attempts at penetrating Quebec's defenses, his men were forced to retreat. Meanwhile, Colonel Benedict Arnold divisions uh, suffered a similar fate during the attack on the northern wall of the city. A two-gun battery opened fire on the advancing Americans, killing a number of troops and wounding Benedict Arnold in the leg. Uh, Patriot Daniel Morgan assumed command and made progress against the defenders, but halted at the second wall of fortifications to wait for reinforcements. By the time the rest of Arnold's army finally arrived, the British had reorganized, forcing the Patriots to call off the attack. Of the 900 Americans who participated in the siege, 60 were killed or wounded and another 400 were captured. The remaining Patriot forces then retreated from Canada. Uh, Benedict Arnold remained in Canada's territory until the last of his soldiers crossed the St. Lawrence River to safety. 
With the pursuing British uh, forces in firing range, Arnold checked one last time to make sure all of his men had escaped and then shot his horse and fled down the St. Lawrence River in a canoe. Excuse me, please. Carlton had uh, successfully snatched victory from the jaws of defeat and secured Canada for the British Empire. Who knew if things might have gone a little bit differently, maybe uh, Canada would be part of the United States of America at this point. Had things gone different in this clash? Well, stocks are on a roll. The NASDAQ had its best day since May on Friday with the S&P 500. Uh, Had gained for nine of the ten last sessions a rising 7.2% in that period, falling bond yields of investors thinking the market is poised for a rally to close out 2023. We'll see about that. Right near now, futures are ready to open and uh, uh, right now are pretty neutral. Moody's Investor Services on Friday lowered its ratings outlook for the United States government to negative from stable, pointing to the risks in the nation's fiscal strength. The ratings agency has affirmed the long-term issuer and senior unsecured ratings of the U.S. at A, large A, double uh, A, small. In the context of the uh, higher interest rates, without effective fiscal measures to reduce government spending or increase revenues, the agency said Moody's expects the U.S. fiscal deficits will remain very large, significantly weakening debt affordability. Also, of course, brinksmanship in Washington, D.C. has been contributing to a factor to Moody's uh, decision. <clears throat> so to that regard, House Speaker Mike Johnson uh, unveiled his plan to avoid government shutdown ahead of Friday, uh, Friday night deadline. His proposal would split federal agencies into two groups, provide separate short-term extensions for each. Uh, Senator Tim Scott, by the way, also suspended his presidential campaign. Uh, Don't know a lot of the details of Mike Johnson's plan, but apparently the plan is to vote on it on Tuesday. And it's a continuing resolution, but apparently with some qualifications, uh, we'll have to suspend judgment until we find out more about it. Well, Representative Elise Stefanik on Friday filed a judicial ethics complaint against the New York judge overseeing former President Trump's civil fraud trial, claiming the judge had shown inappropriate bias and judicial intemperance toward the uh, former president and calling on him to resign. Uh, Judge Arthur Engeron has displayed a clear judicial bias against Trump and broken several rules in the New York Judicial Conduct Code. Uh, Stefanik wrote in a letter to the New York State Commission on Judicial Conduct, the judge's bizarrely, uh, bizarre behavior has no place in our judicial system where Judge Engeron is not honoring the defendant's right to due process at a fair trial, she wrote, asserting that those serious concerns are amplified by Trump's status as the frontrunner of the 2024 GOP presidential primary. It would be good to see Engeron disciplined for his behavior. It's uh, unacceptable. It's a, it's a mockery of justice, in my opinion. The top U.S. Uh, power grid watchdog warned that more than half of the North America and about two-thirds of the United States could face blackouts this winter as a result of growing resilient reliance on uh, renewable sources, the retirement of coal-fired generation plants, and inadequate investment in fuel supply and weatherization of uh, natural gas-fired electricity generation The report is the latest in a string of reports from North American Electric Reliability Corporation, or NERC, over the past year that uh, find the changing mix of electricity generation sources on North American grid is making it harder for electricity supply to keep up during high demand periods. 
all the areas of the eastern United States and Great Plains, with the exception of Florida, parts of Southeast and New York, are an elevated risk, according to the report. That means there is a potential for the grids serving those areas to experience blackouts during high demand. I think just more evidence that this whole green energy thing is just not working for us and we need to get back to carbon-based fuel uh, where, by the way, more and more science is supporting the fact that uh, it's not detrimental uh, to the planet. Life expectancy in the United States has crashed to its lowest level since 1996. The average American born in 2021 could expect to live 76.4 years according to the Center for Disease Control, a report that was published this week. In comparison, the average child born in 2014 was thought to live 78.9 years, and in 2019, 78.8 years. That's quite a drop, more than two years, life expecting in just a few years. In the second consecutive year, the life expectancy of the U.S. has fallen, uh, uh, tumbling to 77.0 years in 2020. It's now at a lowest level since 1996 when it was 76.1 years. Before uh, 2019, life expectancy was rising, not falling. COVID-19 was the main driving force for the plunge in the CDC, uh, the CDC reported. I would also submit we ought to take a look at the vaccine and what impact that that's had. And in fact, more than 5 million COVID-19 cases occurred in vaccinated people in 2021. According to U.S. government files obtained by Epic Times, 1 million vaccinated people tested positive for COVID-19 by September 2021 and another 4 million tested positive by the end of the year, according to the internal files. While so-called breakthrough cases, that's when uh, if you took the vaccine and you got COVID anyhow, when so-called breakthrough cases are already a known phenomenon, starting with days of the first shots being rolled out, the files obtained by the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention show that the amount of vaccine failure was much higher than previously known. I would uh, guess that uh, we have been scammed by the United States government and the CDC and uh, Anthony Fauci and others. Well, uh, uh, Senator uh, Governor Greg Abbott on Friday signed SB7, which bans private employers from mandating a COVID-19 vaccine as a condition of employment. The new law bans private employers from adopting or enforcing a COVID-19 mandate requiring an employee, contractor, applicant for employment, or applicant for a contract position to be vaccinated against COVID-19 as a condition of employment or a contract position. It authorizes employees to file complaints against alleged employer violations with the Texas Workforce Commission imposes a $50,000 fine per violation. It also stipulates that the Attorney General may sue violators and provide injunctive relief against them. It's long past time to put COVID-19 behind us and restore individual freedom to all Texas, Abbott said. Uh, Jackie Schlegel Uh, advocate for the bill, said that while some may argue that the law doesn't go far enough, it's an important first step to return individual liberties back to Texans. She also said she was contacted by three different nurses who said they were returning to the profession because of SB7. So congratulations. We ought to have these types of protections for all states. It's really a shame that uh, we went through what we did and so many people suffered, not be out of COVID, they suffered because of the consequences, the laws and the rules of the state. And uh, we should do something about it. 
This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of HistoryCentral.com. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m., seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252-4541. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with John Millimore. He is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. Right now we have with us Mark Schulman. Mark is the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. My pleasure, Bob. Thank you, Mark. I'm glad it's you. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> not, not a worry. Not a worry at all. So, Mark, uh, we're talking about current global events. And, uh, by the way, HistoryCentral.com, I'd like to just give a plug because 
It is a, a great multimedia website for kids of all ages, including you and I. And I hope you check out HistoryCentral.com. So, Mike, let's talk about current global events as we usually do on Monday morning. And let's start where you are in Israel. And tell, you're right now located in Tel Aviv. But what's going on? Okay, so we can look at it from a whole bunch of different areas. So, number one, it's been uh, three days since there's been a but today is Monday, so it's been since Friday since there's been a rocket attack from Hamas in Gaza. Uh, they basically seem to be unable to launch very many missiles now that Israeli troops are pretty deep within Gaza. Huh. We had the one, one attack on Friday, actually parts of a rocket landed only a few blocks from me and wounded a nurse in a nearby hospital. Wow. But other than that, um, in terms of Gaza, in terms of the rockets, it's been... Very, very low. As a matter of fact, there were more rockets yesterday from Lebanon, which I'll get to in a few moments. Um, Israeli troops are very deep in Gaza City at this point, uh, slowly but surely uh, dismantling whatever Hamas exists in the northern part of Gaza. The big problem, of course, is the two or three uh, hospitals, which uh, below them are the uh, Hamas command centers and the tunnels below. Um, the Israelis have tried to get them to the civilians to leave the hospital. That hasn't succeeded. They tried yesterday to the claim being made to international media is that the hospitals are running out of fuel and therefore babies have died in the NIC, NIC units, the um, units for premature babies. Um, seems to be a bit false since Israel brought gallons of um, of gasoline or fuel of whatever kind to the hospital. Uh, the night before yesterday, and they refused to take it. So it seems a little bit um, se- seems a little bit suspicious of claims. Let's put it that way. Well, how, what kind um, of animals would st- would take their headquarters and put their munitions in a hospital or underneath the hospital? To me, it's just so absurd that uh, some- it's, it's much worse than that. In other words, what they do is they basically embed. All of their their missiles and everything else within hospitals, within schools, under schools, around schools. Um, they found arms caches under you know a place they were making rockets yeah. um, under a child's bedroom. I mean, this is what they've been doing. They've embedded themselves deep within the population, and very unfortunately, uh, when you fight an army like that, or I don't know if you call them an army, but terrorists like that. Uh, civilians die if the civilians don't get out of the way. Right. And the Hamas makes it very difficult to get the, the civilians out of the way. As a matter of fact, yesterday there was a situation where uh, a group of civilians were discovered by Israeli troops. Um, the Israeli troops then tried to protect them and have them uh, head for safety. Hamas opened fire on the civilians and the troops at the same time. The troops killed the, the terrorists, and then the civilians were able to go to safety. So... Um, it's very problematic. These people are terrorists. Period. There's no, uh, there's no two ways about it. Um, and of course, now we get to the stage where, you know, first of all, they talk about numbers of dead. Yeah. Um, many of the dead are their, their own terrorists. They just make it believe they're all civilians, obviously. Number two, you know, who, you know, the numbers are coming from Hamas. Yeah. Not exactly a, um, a source of accurate information. And yet the media, a lot of it, just takes that number and says, oh, there have been, you know, 5,000 children killed. Well, based on what? Did anyone from the independent media actually see, you know, 5,000 or even 1,000 dead children? Yeah, or yeah. any? I mean, I'm sure some children have died, obviously. It's a war. But 
you know, media takes it as, as a given. Well, as a fact, um, I understand that Israel's reportedly offered to evacuate the babies out of the neonatal intensive care, bring them to Israel and take care of them. So, uh, Yes, absolutely, but the Hamas refuses. They've offered to, to move them to, to Egypt. They refuse to allow them to, to do that because they want to use the babies as shields. Yeah. So, um, but slowly but surely, there's no choice. I mean, people sort of think, well, Israel sh- you know, shouldn't go at it so hard. But, you know, think about it for the moment. Think what would have happened if um, the Mexican government had come to Galveston and killed uh, 1,200 people or 1,400 people and kidnapped um, a couple of hundred others. How long would it take, you know, how long would America wait or when would it stop attacking until it got every single one of the people who attacked them? You know, Mark, uh, I hate to say this, but that's not a good analogy because I'm afraid that's what's been happening <laughs> on the southern well, border. Well, no, I mean, it, it really isn't, though. Let's be honest. They, 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 people aren't coming from across the border and, and killing people. You can talk about too many people coming across the border. It's all well, when you, had, you have child trafficking and uh, fentanyl. Yeah, but they're child trafficking people from Mexico. <laughs> they're, they're bringing people from Mexico or even from other parts of, of South America. Yeah. But your your, point, is, your point is well accepted. I mean, I, I certainly understand the fact that had the tables been turned, th- there would be a different reaction. Right. So, so that, that's where it stands at the moment. Um, it will take more time. Um, Israel's been very, very successful uh, in keeping its own casualties down. I mean, I think 40 soldiers have been killed so far, um, and they've basically captured you know, the top third of, or so of Gaza. Um, one of the things that's been working so well is the um, systems that Israel has to protect tanks against anti-tank missiles. They're working very, very well. Right. So it's very hard to stop the Israeli tanks and armored carriers, but once you get out the street, people are obviously uh, can be killed, and also... A number of people have been killed in IUDs, IEDs, excuse me, um, just like the American troops in, in Baghdad. That's always been a problem. Yeah, in Baghdad and all of Iraq. I read, I read a related, concern, I, I read a related that, story that uh, the leadership of Hamas enjoys a life of opulence and wealth, with a combined fortune. This is from the India Times. A combined fortune of estimated eleven billion dollars for the three leaders uh, who are living in uh, Qatar or Qatar. Uh, this uh, is look, I'm sure they're wealthy. I don't know whether I can say it's eleven billion dollars. That's a lot of money to to even that's a lot for even them to have stolen. Let's put it that way. They spent a lot of money on 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 um, tunnels and other and armaments and other things. I'm not sure they could have stolen eleven billion, but I'm sure they've stolen enough of the international aid that's come their way. Well, the story the, the story purports years. that it's actually uh, they're living uh, in part, including support from Qatar or Qadar. Uh, which right, is, they've gotten support from Qatar. The Hamas or the Gaza Strip has gotten a lot of support from Qatar. One of the big mistakes. Qatar is a weird country. I mean, that's one way of putting it. Yeah, there are there are the they hold the largest U.S. base in the Middle East is in Qatar, huh. and yet they supported Hamas. Yeah. So try to figure that one out. Yeah. Uh, it, it's really difficult to to try to figure out where the Qataris sit. They sort of sit in the middle somewhere, and. Um, like I say, they they give the U.S. the largest U.S. naval base and Air Force base is located there. So it's kind of a, a weird situation. Now, to take it to the other part of it, the concern right now is the north mm-hmm. um, because Hezbollah in the north has been attacking Israeli positions and Israeli settlements along the border on a daily basis. The population of the towns along the border have evacuated. 
Um, but not all the people have left. You know, but there's a city called Kira, or a town called Kiryat Shmona that has about 12,000 or 14,000 residents. Usually, there are about 1,500 people still in the town at this point. Mm. And every day, the Hezbollah fires anti-tank missiles at um, in, at either either army installations or yesterday they fired at an electric company a truck that was there to try to uh, fix down electric lines killed one person and wounded five very seriously mm. um, and Israel responds with artillery fire or air fire so Nasrallah who's the leader of Hezbollah is sort of pushing the envelope pushing Israel to get to the red line where it won't you know respond massively Israel does not really want to do that while they're still dealing with Gaza so, um, such so. a complicated situation, Mark. Mark, we need to take a little break. Can you stick around? Absolutely, Bob. All right, we're going to have more here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Are you looking to buy or sell a home? Make it a convenient and stress-free experience by calling the dynamic and trustworthy husband and wife team of Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties. Find out about their unique and complimentary post-closing concierge services not offered by other area agents. Matt and Megan Chionis give you the competitive advantage to command a premium price for your property. They personally attend all showings, create a marketing strategy for your property, and offer that complimentary concierge service to your potential buyer. This hands-on approach has helped them set several sales records in Pelican Bay and many at near-record prices. Megan and Matt Chionis understand that as an affluent buyer-seller, your needs and desires are unique. You deserve this level of service. Megan and Matt Chionis are passionate about the Naples lifestyle and they want you to enjoy it too. Call Megan and Matt Chionis with Gulf Coast International Properties at 239-269-5310. That's 239-269-5310. You have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability. They help prepare elected officials to have winning strategies in the legislature, and you can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. Right now, we continue the conversation with Mark Schulman, the founder and publisher of a terrific multimedia website, good for kids of all ages, including you and I. It's called HistoryCentral.com. Mark, again, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Always a pleasure. Thank you, Mark. Uh, uh, any more on uh, Israel, or shall we move to Ukraine? 
just a one one additional point is is this concern of of the North going into a full scale war, which Israel doesn't want right now because it wants to finish in Gaza first, and also a full scale war with with Hezbollah with 120,000 missiles will not be pleasant. One yeah. way of putting it. Hmm. So uh, the, the hope is that that this will hold off. Israel is in the middle of. I mean, it has, as you all know, the, as you know, the anti missile system. It actually last week intercepted for the first time in history a ballistic missile fired from from Yemen wow. uh, outside the atmosphere. So this was, this was the first time in history that a missile operationally was intercepted outside the atmosphere by an anti-ballistic missile. Ronald Reagan is smiling in his grave. So, Mark, uh, can, can you comment at all about your own personal safety and your family that living in Tel Aviv? We're, we're fine, quite quite honestly. Um, certainly, as long as it's coming, as long as it was coming from from Gaza, we're totally fine. Among other things, we're opposite a forty-five story building is between me and Gaza, mm. and right across the street from me, so it's sort of locked. If something happens, if there's a war from uh, from the north, it's a whole other story. Uh, uh, the bomb shelter in our building has been upgraded in the last couple of weeks, and I'm all ready to drop an Ethernet line into the in in there in case we have to be there for a long period of time. Wow! So I oh. hope not, but well, we're ready. <laughs> Thank God. So uh, let's move to Ukraine. Okay, so Ukraine again, more or less, the stalemate has has been much the same. The two things that have developed in the last week or so: number one, the um, Russians keep on trying to advance in the north, and once again, once they tr- every time they go on offensive, they get completely beaten up. In other words, they've lost tens of thousands of troops in the last four weeks in their attempt uh, to take a town in the north called Aravak. I think it's I don't know how it's pronounced. Uh, they've not succeeded in taking the town, and they just keep on pouring more and more troops trying to do it, and they just haven't been successful. So. What we've learned in this war is defense generally wins out, mm-hmm. um, and def- offensive is difficult. Defense does win out. The other interesting development, of course, has been on the, in the of all things in the navy, and the Russians have lost control of the Black Sea, and that's despite the fact that the uh, Ukrainians do not have a navy to speak of, or at least not one that they use, but because of the use of drones, very very successfully. And some of the missiles they've received, both in the United States and the UK, uh, Russian ships are just not safe in the Black Sea at this point. Hmm. And as a result of that, they've managed to basically open up the Black Sea for for um, sending their grains south um, and exporting their grains. And that's an interesting development where the Russians can't maintain naval control over an area that's you know right up upon them. And didn't they capture a portion of uh, Ukraine that uh, has the port? On, uh, well, they, yes, they, they captured a port that has, has the main, has the, not the main port, but has a port, <clears> and also in Crimea itself is Sevastopol, is one of their main ports of the Russian Navy, uh, which they were leasing from the from the Ukrainians in any case. Um, but literally, uh, the, their head, the Navy headquarters was destroyed by a Ukrainian missile, uh, the Ukrainians have sunk a submarine, a number of landing craft, and um, a number of patrol craft in the last couple of weeks. Hmm. Uh, again, um, without Navy equipment, they're using both drones and, and missiles. So it's made it almost impossible for the, for the Russian Navy to operate in the Black Sea. So interesting. So. What do you make of the uh, senior Ukrainian military officer uh, claims that he's behind the Nord Stream pipeline attack? 
Interesting question. I don't know. Um, he was not, you know, he he was a questionable character beforehand. I don't really know, and I'm not really sure what his motivations would be to say that right now. So, mm-hmm. very unknown. Yeah. Very, very unknown. But murky. You know, everything in this war is a bit murky. It is indeed. So let's move to Great Britain. So Great Britain, a very interesting development this morning. Um, there's a lot of, um, I won't call it quite chaos, but movement within the uh, within the government at this point. And the former Prime Minister of Cameroon has now returned to the government to be the foreign minister under the current Prime Minister. Hmm. Uh, something you don't see in the United States very often. I think the only time we've seen anything close in American history is when John Q. John Adams II, John Q. Adams, uh, after being president, went into Congress. Um, well, uh, so and also uh, Taft becoming going from president became a Supreme Court justice. But, yeah, but that's almost on the same level to become. You know, that yeah. that's not a step down. That's a sideways step, shall we say? Yeah. Um, so you know, two, three different branches of government. He went to to head another branch of government, shall we say? Um, but very unusual and uh, interesting. Um, let's put it that way. And again, there's a lot of there's a push for new elections. Uh, the current government is not popular at all. Um, Brexit is not popular at all. Yeah. So we'll have to see where where that goes. Um, interesting. But Britain's always an interesting place. Yeah. Well, and, and the the level of anti-Semitism in Great Britain also is a huge issue. Well, it's it's very high in Great Britain. It's very high in France. Look, it's very high. There, there are two two types of anti-Semitism in the world today, or you know, there's the the part that's on the left, and there's the part on the far right. The part on the left is also driven by large um, Arab and Palestinian populations in these places. Mm-hmm. So uh, much of Europe, you know, some in France, for instance, you go back um, to the 1960s when the first wave of uh, Algerian immigrants came, and then you've had the the second wave more recently in Germany and to less extent in France and to less extent in Britain of the Syrian refugees that brought their own biases and um, Palestinians. And then in, on top of all of that, um, you have the far left, um, which, you know, the intellectual far left, if you want to call that, I don't know what they call it anymore, which also is a problem in the United States, which are people who just say that, well, Israel's a colonial empire, yeah. um, and therefore against the colonial empire you can take any steps and do anything and kill anybody against colonial colonialists. Now, where that jumped to Jews, I'm not really sure. Right, right. Because um, not all Jews believe in Israel, you know, support Israel. Right. I mean, a lot of do, but not all of them do. And besides which, just because they support Israel doesn't make them Israeli. Right. So so where that jump took place is not at all clear, but it's clearly taken place. There's no question about it. We've seen this in Great Britain. We saw this in Australia. Australia, we, they, was in, there was a demonstration for the Palestinians yesterday, uh, the day before, like on Saturday, and the police said to the said to the people in their synagogue there they should evacuate and not be in the synagogue because they can't protect them. Huh. So it's, it's, you know we saw this in Brooklyn, New York, about two weeks ago when there was a big Palestinian demonstration in Brooklyn and the police told Jews to stay off the streets. Hmm. So it's not a good situation. Not let's a put good it that t- way. Uh, unfortunately, our First Amendment rights are being threatened by these points of view, and uh, you know, anti-Semitism is not acceptable. But you should be able to say whatever you want to say here in the United States. And unfortunately, you should be able to say whatever you want to say unless you endanger someone else. That's right. That's exactly. you know the old saying. You know, <clears throat> when does for, when does the First Amendment stop? When you say fire in the in a crowded theater? Right. 
right. some version therein. I just want to say on the positive side, there were 150,000 people who came out yesterday in Paris um, to, to support, the, to, to be against anti-Semitism. There's a tremendous demonstration against anti-Semitism in Paris. Oh, that's great. Um, so that's the other side of the coin. So there are good people still in the world. Absolutely. Mark Schulman again found... Before I let you go, though, uh, one other thing I at least want to bring up is this uh, volcanic activity in Iceland. It's just thousands and thousands of earthquakes going on. It's just amazing. Any thoughts? Um, well, if it throws enough... Um, sulfur into the air, it might counteract the question of uh, global warming, so to speak. That's, that's, the, that's what did it when, when um, the, I forgot the name of it, but it's also the K, the island in Indonesia blew up in 1895. Huh. Um, for a year, the global temperatures dropped by one degree. There you go. So, <laughs> Mark, so maybe there's a, you know, a balancing act going on. <laughs> Earth balances itself. I don't know. I think there probably is. Mark Schulman again. Krakatau is the name of the is name is the name of the volcano that blew up in Indonesia in the 1890s. Thank you, Mark. Okay, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great week, everybody. You as well. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, coming up, we're going to visit with John Middlemore. He is the editor-at-large for Fee.org. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Two-thirds of parents prefer educational options for their children, with 40% strongly preferring options for their child's education. School choice is a growing movement, one that is already lifting thousands of kids across America. The Optima Foundation, a 501c3 nonprofit corporation, was founded to support the establishment and expansion of superior quality schools of choice. Optima's goal was the successful launch of Hillsdale College Varney Charter School, Initiative Classical Academies, and other schools of excellence across the state of Florida, serving kindergarten through the 12th grade. The mission is to train the minds and improve the hearts of young people through a content-rich classical education in the liberal arts and sciences with instruction in the principles of moral character and civic virtue. In a terrific product of the process, Naples Classical Academy has already opened here in Naples. You can find out more by visiting the website Optima.Foundation. Help children in Florida optimize their educational opportunities. Visit www.Optima.Foundation. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now I'll play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, 
Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, changing lives through exceptional theater experiences. And you can find out more and get some uh, tickets to upcoming performances. Just go to the website, gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Jim McTagg. Right now we have John Mildemore. John is the uh, editor-at-large for fee.org. John, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Hey, I'm doing great. How are you doing, Bob? I'm doing well, John. Uh, tell us about fee.org. Yeah, our, our organization has been around since 1946. Our mission is to you know, just bring more economic knowledge to young people and uh, get the next generation uh, you know, better grounded in the ideas of uh, the liberty, philosophy, and economics. Terrific organization. I've been to the National Conference for some of the uh, fee or Foundation for uh, Economic Education programs, and I'll tell you, it's just fantastic to see young people celebrating freedom and responsibility. It's just a, a, a beautiful sight. Uh, John, you wrote a piece that's called The Overlooked Economic Lesson in Ghostbusters, and I never thought that Ghostbusters would be become an object lesson for economics, but maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, you know, it, it's around Halloween season. It's one of those articles I've been thinking about writing for, for probably five years. Yeah. You know, it, it's funny, a buddy of mine is a huge Ghostbusters fan. I was I was in his wedding. His wedding, the, 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 the family performed the song Ghostbusters at his wedding. That's how much, you know, he was into it. And he's the one that first pointed out to me. He said, "There's, you know, it's a pretty libertarian movie. And I, I'm sure a lot of the listeners have probably, you know, seen the movie and observed some of it. There's a There's a famous scene where early in the movie the, the Ghostbusters get fired from their university and, um, you know, Ray says, I love the university. They gave me, you know, facilities and money. We didn't have to produce anything. You know, the <laughs> private sector is tough. They expect results, you know. It's, it's a great line. There's, there's some truth in that. But yeah. um, what's, really, what's really interesting is the whole, when things really fall apart in Ghostbusters, it's kind of a, uh, it's, it's central planning gone wrong because the EPA comes comes in and, makes them shut down their whole containment system where they're keeping the ghosts. And uh, they said, you shouldn't do this. Like, this is going to you know, be like dropping a bomb in the city. And the EPA guy said, he's not very interested. He knows better and he has the power and he kind of persists in doing this. And, um, you know, it, it, it's just a, it's a funny movie, but the, the lesson is we, we give people vast amounts of power and assume they know what they're doing with that power. Um, and they ultimately have rulemaking decision. They say, we're going to close this, you know, shut this down. We're going to shut that down. Um, and, you know, the, the Nobel Prize winning economist F.A. Hayek won a, uh, a Nobel Prize for this, you know, this idea of local knowledge. People, people acting on the ground have more information. Mm -hmm. They're making decisions every day with, with all of this, you know, infinitely vast, you know, and complex bits of information that are, are floating around out there. Whereas central planners, they're operating with some knowledge, but it's not as good as what they, what, what, what they think it has. It, 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 well, one of the things that they may not know everything, but they certainly understand they have power. Exactly, and they're operating with incomplete knowledge. And I, I think that's a big problem. We saw this in the, in the pandemic. Um, they have knowledge, and they think they, they have the full picture, but oftentimes it's fragmented, and they're making all these decisions based on incomplete knowledge, and they're making decisions for you and for me. And uh, it, it's really, you know, if you look at history, we, we, we've learned this is a really bad way to run an economy when you have people making decisions for other people. Now, oftentimes they think they, they're doing good things because they think they have all this knowledge, 
Um, but things go wrong, and Ghostbusters is a pretty hilarious, you know, for, for those who haven't seen the movie that are listening, you know, go watch it. I assume most people have. But, you'll, you know, watch it with a, maybe a, through a different perspective, and you, you, can, you can learn something about the world. And it is a pretty obvious lesson. Like, even then I thought about, like, wow, the, the, the real villain in, in Ghostbusters is, is the government. That's exactly right. And by the way, uh, what, what happened when, uh, when the, uh, when the uh, EPA guy got his way? Well, that's really where where all the ghosts bust free, right? Like, yeah. like the, you, the, the the movie's kind of heading towards this climax already, um, but he close he shuts down the containment system where they have you know thousands of ghost stores that they've been capturing, shuts it down in the whole city. It, it is like dropping a bomb in the city. Suddenly, everybody gets <laughs> out at once. The keymaster and then meets the gatekeeper, and that's a whole other story. And, and a Sumerian god from about four, you know six seven thousand years ago comes back and. Uh, of course, the Ghostbusters saved the day, but it's it's a pretty hilarious movie, and there is a good economic lesson in there uh, once you kind of see it. It is a beautiful lesson indeed, and in fact, uh, it also contrasts uh, central planning, as you've mentioned, uh, versus you know the the wisdom of the people. The the beauty of Hayek basically saying is, look, when you have the accumulation of everybody making decisions financially for themselves, you actually have greater intelligence than you have if you're trying to do things central. Uh, central you nailed it, Bob. You said it better than I did. No, I didn't. My goodness. Well, John Miltimore, again, uh, he is the editor-at-large at Feed Outdoor. It's a great website. I hope you check it out, fee.org. Also, check out John's column, The Overlooked Economic Lesson in Ghostbusters. John, I really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, appreciate it, Bob. You have yourself a great week. You as well. Thank you, John. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with uh, Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief, that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratospell Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice of the popular Eden Bar, the intimate courtyard garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean dining room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere then 
includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. You've heard me talk about uh, lunch and breakfast at Lulabee's Diner. Well, they're serving dinner now, Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m., and the menu is just terrific. So you got some comfort food, but also great seafood items that Chef Richie makes. And just encourage you to drop by Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, Wednesdays through Saturdays. 4 to 8 p.m. We have with us Jim McTagg, former Barron's Washington Bureau Chief. He's now retired and uh, now writing murder mysteries, and they are terrific. His first is Follow the Leader, its sequel, Shake the Money Tree, and his latest is called No Problem. Jim McTagg, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. It's a pleasure, Bob. You know, I'll be uh, in May, I'll be 75, and I think I'm becoming irascible, and I blame. Biden and the U.S. Congress, because uh, they irritate me every single day of the week. And uh, I'm going to sound like a broken record, but, you know, uh, the U.S. has bombed heavily in Syria uh, Iranian uh, targets. Yeah. Uh, We are actively at war with Israel in the Middle East. I mean, sending fighter planes, we tend to ignore that, and, and we almost act as if it's a peripheral engagement. It's a major engagement. And so it brings me back to uh, Wall Street investors being naive about inflation. The Fed can't win a fight against inflation by itself when we are in a uh, Lyndon Johnson-style era of guns and butter. Yeah, uh, There has to be fiscal restraint by Biden and the Congress to reduce domestic spending because we are going to be spending heavily on the military side. If you try, if you try to have both guns and butter, we have inflation, which yeah. is you know which we've seen from Biden's uh, stimulus. So um, I'm a perma bear. I think we're going to have a major stock correction when people people realize. Uh, that we are involved in a in a major war, and uh, I I hope it it does. I hope the realization doesn't come from an attack on our country from within due to the open borders. Yeah. Another another reason I become irascible. Yeah. And um, um, I wish we had a presidential candidate in one party or the other that w- would be a fabulous wartime president because, again, we are at war. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, first of all, it seems the market is basically saying, you know what, we think we get this inflation under. Uh, we've had a really nice rally here in the last couple of weeks. It's been uh, unbelievable in my mind. Some indication that we might see a rally going, a, kind of a Christmas rally going forward. But uh, are you anticipating that there's going to be a drawdown on the market? Yeah, because, you know, if you look at the price-earnings ratios, I mean, you know, the Fed is, is keeping rates high, mm-hmm. and the bond vigilantes 
have been pushing them higher. You know, this uh, we have some treasury auctions this week, uh, will be which will be very revealing. To, it will show us if the bond vigilantes are comfortable with the current direction of uh, inflation. Mm-hmm. But um, if we're going into a recession, and everybody thinks we are, uh, corporate earnings are going to come down, and, and you know they're not supported by these elevated price-earnings ratios. Yeah. So at, at some point, the gambling that has been going on in the market has to give way to a rational analysis of, uh, of expectations going forward in a, in a recessionary period. So, Jim, uh, is it my imagination, or are we seeing all of a sudden the press turning on Biden? Oh, it's amazing that the left-wing press is suddenly um, a never-Biden uh, movement. So uh, last night I was watching 60 Minutes on CBS, and their opening uh, episode, a uh, chapter, was about how Iran is active in this country trying to assassinate our, our leadership, people like John Bolton and a general, and, and they're trying to kidnap former Iranian citizens who are critical of, of the regime, that, that the U.S. government has actually foiled plots, has evidence of these plots. And the, the 60 Minutes people indicated that Biden is just, um, you know, why is the Biden administration allowing this to happen uh, and, and, and not talking about it and not responding more vigorously to Iran. And, and 60 Minutes treated John Bolton, <laughs> you know, the former Fox News commentator, as if he was, uh, you know, as, as if he was a major statesman. Now, uh, I, I do think he is a major statesman, but for CBS, the left-wingers who were formally dismissive of John Bolton to suddenly put him on a uh, elevated platform is remarkable, and it shows the depth of of the left's dislike of Joe Biden. Yeah, it's an amazing that uh, what I'm seeing is uh, just a, uh, all of a sudden throwing Biden under the bus, and it looks to me like they're setting the table for another candidate for 2024. I I agree with you, but but the the problem is, you know, Biden doesn't seem to get the message. <laughs> you know, it it might be uh, you know some cognitive uh, challenges. He might be getting advice to stay in because, you know, on paper, it looks like he would narrowly defeat Donald Trump, although that's not clear. You know, it depends on on who who counts the votes. (laughs) Yeah, the best poll poll for Biden shows neck and neck. Mm -hmm. So um, but to your point, uh, there is an active effort by the Democratic Party to get rid of him and. you know, it's unclear at this point that, that they can succeed. And, and it's also the news that uh, Hogan and uh, Governor of Maryland, former Governor of Maryland, and uh, Manchin might team up to, to form an independent party to uh, try and sell themselves on the moderates, to the moderates. Yes, they're two uh, wonderful politicians. You know, Hogan was a, uh, a Republican governor of uh, Democrat uh, Maryland. And he was respected by both parties. He was very effective 
he battled cancer while he was in office huh. and survived. And that shouldn't be a detriment. I'm a cancer survivor. So, so you know, life goes on. Uh, I think they would be a powerful team that would appeal to the, the silent majority, who I think are, are growing tired of the, uh, you know, arguments on, you know, the clash between the extreme right and the extreme left. They want to get things done. I mean, we need intelligent, intelligent immigration is very important. Um, I was thinking today, I have a handicapped wife. <clears throat> we get help in from the outside through an agency. Most of the help uh, are, are immigrants. Mm -hmm. uh, many of them can hardly speak English. I feel like I'm a colon colonist living in a foreign country. I mean, uh, that's scary. Yeah. Uh, you don't see Americans coming in to help. So, I mean, we do need labor. And we do need rational immigration, but I worry we're getting the wrong kind of people, number one. And number two, when you let all these people in, you know what happens to colon, colonists? They eventually uh, get pushed out. And I think the USA is in real danger of having these outside forces who have no understanding of our way of life, right. of really taking over. Well, you're right. And uh, listen, I was just reporting earlier on a show that we're actually seeing the life expectancy of the of Americans going down from year to year and pretty significantly a couple of years in the last couple uh, since 2019. Point being is we need immigration. We need people coming into this country. My view is that we need legal immigration and we need to pick and choose who gets to come. Uh, not, you know, we know that the uh, for example, some of these countries are sending, sending uh, emptying their prisons and <laughs> sending whoever they can round up to, to the United States. That, that's got to stop. Yeah, you're right. They're sending in people who we don't need because they're low-skilled. Uh, they're amoral. They're criminals. We don't know. I mean, some of them are very good, solid individuals, um, but we just don't have proper screening. And, I, you know, that's where Congress, both parties have fallen flat on their face for decades. Right. Well, um, well you know, my point is that 98% of the people who've come here may be just fine people, but 2% of 10 million people, that's a lot of folks. And uh, if, if they're terrorists, there's you know, criminals and so forth, they could really create havoc here in the United States. Well, they, they can. I've lived in neighborhoods where HUD put in a, a family in a middle-class neighborhood, and the family was criminal and disruptive, and there's not much you can do about it right. because the criminals have the upper hand. So what you have is literally you had white flight in the 1990s, which is kind of ridiculous at this point in time, but it, but it happens. And um, so, um, so you have to screen people and make sure they fit into the community. And, the, and the, 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 you know, again, a small percentage can cause a hell of a lot of havoc. No question. Jim McTagg, again, was, former Washington's Bureau Chief. His latest book is called No Problem. You get a copy. It's very entertaining. Uh, murder mystery. You'll really enjoy it. No Problem by Jim McTagg. Jim, really appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, boss. My pleasure, indeed. Well, that's a wrap here on today's show. I hope you enjoyed it. We've got great guests for tomorrow's show, including our uh, Florida State Senate President, Kathleen Pasadomo, and other great guests as well. Always appreciate your comments on the show. You can send me an email at bobharden 
at Hotmail.com. Also, if you enjoy the show, tell your friends. That's one of the ways we, we support our advertisers, and we can't do the show without them. I appreciate you listening to the show. Thank you so much for joining us, and I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.